Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. I'm happy to have, are you still Ackworth, Amy, or are you Ackworth, Amy now? No, it's technically Dallas, Amy, but I absolutely still go by Ackworth, Amy, and the fourth dimensioners. We'll stick with Ackworth, Amy. stuck. (laughs) I'm not going to take a lot of time with announcements. Go to buddyc.org. Want to know more about us if this is your first time here. We've got some books. We've got resources. We've got meeting links, all kinds of things there that you can use that will enhance recovery for you if you're so inclined. Amy, it was a Taoist way that we got together, actually, I think. It was the first of the pandemic. We started the fourth dimensioners meeting, and I went to Atlanta, rode around to all of the clubhouses and put flyers out. And you saw a flyer at a court at a clubhouse, correct? Is that what how you Yeah, absolutely. I don't even remember which one it was, buddy, but I remember seeing the flyer and taking a picture of it and going, Oh my gosh, I gotta stay plugged into some meetings and oh, here's one that's every single night. Let's And little did we know you lived 30 minutes from me at the time, right? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. You got involved with the fourth dimensioners. That's been a blessing to a lot of folks. I'm still plugged into that meeting. I go several, I attend several nights, still doing Friday night. Yep, absolutely. We're right in the middle of reading through 164 again in the big book. We're doing that on Friday nights too. But yeah, as soon as we get done with that, we're going to go back to reading as Bill sees it. And then I think we'll start the cycle over. We'll do Living Sober again. The Fourth Dimensioners. You can get there, zoomaameetings.com will take you directly to the Zoom link for that meeting. You have to be logged into a Zoom account for authentication. Other than that, there's no passwords. 9 p.m. Eastern every night of the year, including holidays and weekends. After we got acquainted in the Fourth Dimensioners, you started coming to the Dow meeting some. You'd probably hear Amy back two years ago in the episodes, yeah. two years ago, and you start seeing, hearing Ackworth Amy in the episodes that she was able to attend at least two to three a month. You were a big part of that. We'll get back to doing meetings in the future, but I think we're getting some good content out of these interviews because we're getting some good experience, strength, and hope and how getting to know everyone better, plus learning a little more about how the Tao really resonates with you because it resonated with me when I first read and first started getting acquainted with Taoist philosophy. It's not that we're Taoist. It's that it's a philosophy that applies to any God is love belief, any virtue following belief system. You can be a Christian and enjoy this podcast or enjoy study in the Tao. There's no conflict with that or Buddhism or any of those others. That's the great thing about it. Starting out, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about your story. And then once we get up to the here and now, we'll talk a little bit about your higher power and how 
how that's evolved over the years and what verses of the Tao that really speak to you. Yeah, so thanks, buddy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm one of three girls, and I'm the only one of us three girls that's in recovery. I've got 10 plus years of sobriety now. Growing up in Cartersville, <laughs> we got to play outside until the streetlights came on. Not a care in the world. I, I would say broken at the age of 13 for me. It's interesting that you already touched on concept of a higher power growing up and now and the difference is what I heard you say anyway because we we grew up in that Southern Baptist Church we were there when the doors were open I felt Sundays and Wednesdays and all the days in between we were really involved in the youth choir and camps and all the things that you can do and so my concept of God was what I call the Jesus Bible God. Um, that's what I call it now. And I didn't have any reason to even understand that was my parents' concept or anybody else's concept. But life got lifey, as one of my friends would say. And my parents divorced. And I just, that's where my life took a turn in that I started seeking love interestingly enough, love and acceptance and validation wherever I could find it. And it was with drugs and alcohol and men and a lot of different areas. And that filled what I know now that temporarily filled the God-sized hole that I didn't know what that was at the time. I had a lot of fun drinking. I had a lot of fun with consequences drinking, and then it got to be just consequences. I was certainly in search of that controlling and enjoying my drinking. I certainly was one of those people. Certainly was one of those that every time I controlled it, I wasn't enjoying it. Every time I was enjoying it, I wasn't controlling it. That whole adage there. And any other substance that I could put into my body that made me feel better. I just wanted to feel other than how I was feeling at the time. It, whether, if I was happy, I wanted to feel happier. If I was sad, I wanted to not be sad. If I was mad, I didn't want to feel mad. So it was just anything that I could do to take me out of that present moment. Present feelings, because feelings suck. I didn't like the feeling. Fast forward, I tried geographics. I tried having kids. I tried getting married. I tried uh, different husbands. I tried different, so different husbands, different cities. And the big book where it talks about we could increase the list that infinitum. Yep. I would marry somebody else. I would move to a different, you know, those kinds of things to, to prove like I wasn't an alcoholic. But I was, and I am, and I always will be. I was forced into the best life I could ever possibly imagine. And those consequences really caught up with me. And even after the consequence of coming to or coming back to life in a hospital, literally, I reached that surrender point. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Didn't know that's what it was at the time. But I just thought, okay, I'll give it a whirl. See what happens. Yeah, so I, as I said, I was forced into the best life I could ever possibly imagine because those consequences, I was in what some people would refer to as like an IOP, intensive outpatient, under the thumb of the court system. 
sobriety stuck up on me. And then all of a sudden, I was enjoying life. I was able to eat. I was able to sleep. I was able to have fun. I'm still here. <laughs> I just decided to stay. What else you want to know about all that? That's plenty to qualify. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Thanks. How did your perception of a higher power change? When you came in, what did you think of God? And how did that, how has that changed over the years for you? When I got here, having grown up with that Jesus Bible God and that understanding, I thought there was a special place in hell for me. I thought, I had broken every single one of the Ten Commandments at least a million times. Maybe somebody might go, you killed somebody? I killed a lot of people with my mouth. Murder by character assassination. I did that over and over. But I thought because I had broken all the Ten Commandments and I had just been this horrible person and I had done all these terrible things to myself and to other people that there was no freaking way in hell that God was going to love me. I felt ashamed. I felt guilt-ridden. I felt all of those just worthless pieces of shit things and so I was like God's mad at me no way will any kind of God like that ever love me and then my sponsor said the most probably the one of the most pivotal things that I've that I heard her say in the beginning and she said a couple of things she said you can borrow my God until you get your own and just believe that I believe and I held on to those two things for a really long time because here was a woman who seemed to be on the outside what I was searching for on the inside. She had dignity and she had grace and she had been sober for a really long time. I think that was one of the first times God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. I didn't want a sponsor. I didn't think I needed someone to guide me through the steps because frankly, I didn't think I was done drinking. I didn't think I was done. I just wanted the consequences to stop. So what happened was I started working the steps, her. And it wasn't, I didn't feel like someone was forcing God down my throat. I didn't feel like someone was telling me, you've got to believe that you're going to hell. Then I heard my husband tell me one time, and I know he didn't come up with it on his own, even though he'd like to think so. <laughs> Religion is for people trying to get to heaven and spirituality is for people who've been through hell. And I knew when I heard him say that, I knew that the way I had been living was hell. And I knew I didn't want to do that. And now I don't even, I don't care what God is. I know God isn't me. I shouldn't say I don't care because I do. It doesn't matter to me what the label is, the concept of it's not me and it's something bigger, something graceful that kept me alive to get to this point. Something that I have a hard time with, with the universe. I call God universe now because universe is incomprehensible to me. It's the universe is so big and so all encompassing that that works for me today. And I know that's not somebody or something. Some, it's not some man in the sky that I have to please. It's not some man in the sky that keeps score. That was a big one. I was a big one. Loves me unconditionally. A few minutes ago, buddy, I told you that I was seeking that love and that validation. And that's what I get from the universe today. It's not tangible, but I can feel it. 
And I can see it working in my life. I can see, I don't wake up in hospitals anymore. I don't have blackouts. I don't wake up in jail. I don't get divorced. I don't have custody battles. I get to play toys on Sunday with the grandbabies. You don't carry resentments around for everyone. No, just a couple of people. <laughs> just you know, a couple recently. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. If we approach God from a place of love, that God being love, it it just answers so much for me. And when I look at the different religions, like Bhakti, which is a, a form of, it's an Indian religion that says God is love and that we're all drops out of the ocean of love. Yeah, I can see that. And then for me, it would be, it'd be like the hand that we're all part of God. And it's like the hand saying there is no body, the hand denying the body. There's, there is no body. So wait a minute. You're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's, it just keeps changing and evolving. And I think that's the big thing that's different from my Christianity. I was told what to believe. Yes. And then I acted according to what I was told. Yeah. Kind of it on its head. Now we take loving actions and then what we believe follows our actions. It's like the opposite. That's so true. Buddy, I'm not even kidding you. Just a couple of nights ago, I had some stuff happen a few nights ago. I had a life gets lifey kind of situation with my biological father and he was not behaving the way I thought he should behave. And then he asked me to do something that absolutely does not line up with my beliefs and my recovery and my sobriety today. Immediately, my feet knew to take my ass to a meeting. My head wasn't there yet, but it's just what you said. I take the action and the, and the rest will follow. We act our way into right thinking. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right acting. Yes. Yes. Because I, if I had sat with myself and my thoughts, no way I would have had to make amends. I would have shown my ass. I would have said a whole bunch of things that were mean. And I would have taken that resentment and ran with it. And resentment is the number one offender. It destroyed more alcoholic than anything. It really and does. Then I, and then I was given in my power and all of these things that I've learned. A good friend of mine has a book called Powerless But Not Helpless. I felt a little helpless in the moment, but I also knew, let me take a step back, working the programs, and I say programs that I work, mean that I do have power today as long as I keep my will in line with God, in line with the universe. That's the proper use of the will. That's It's my power, but it's through the universe. Left to me, I, I would have told that man what I thought, and I would have told him what everybody else thought, and I just don't have to do that today. Such a better way to live. So it's really learning compassionate living or living forgiveness yes. rather than living our fears. Yeah, because it brought what it brought up, and you just said fear, what it brought up for me, and I've only been able to like yesterday and today identify this specific thing, 
when I sat down to do my fourth and fifth step with, or read my, do my fifth step with my sponsor and uncovered as I was working through the fourth step, my fears, the very first one on that list was fear of abandonment. And and that abandonment specifically came from that 13-year-old little girl. You don't love me if you leave me. And this was a different version of that, but it was the same feelings. My, My disease reacted to the feelings. And I know that feelings aren't fact. I know that anything outside of God, outside of the universe, outside of the Tao that tries to take me out of the present moment hones in on those fears and those resentments and tries to get me anything but right here, right now. Those fears always take us out of the moment. And God be the only time we can love someone or be kind or show any kind of compassion at all is right now. It really is simple once you start seeing that. Oh, I'm worrying about the future or regretting yesterday. I'm in my fear. Yeah, we have tools to remedy all of that. Okay, so I see your God belief has changed. Now, you started studying the Tao. What a good Southern Baptist girl from Georgia. <laughs> Why does the Tao appear, appeal to you? That doesn't, I get asked the same question. Yeah. I'm wanting to hear someone else's answer. How, why, when you discovered the Tao Te Ching, did it speak to you? I can say things like effortless effort, and I can say things like non being, <laughs> being. I can use buzzwords like that. But what, well, let me back up a little bit as far as like the Tao and how it came to play in my journey. A few years ago, I was, I had a sponsee, and we were working through some principal things, and we came across this this website and this book about wisdom, tradition, principles. I don't really remember the name of it right now, but, and it would take a principle and it would describe that principle as in Hinduism, as in Judaism and Taoism, Christianity and cosmology. And I went through several different traditions. And, and after we got through that study, I just labeled myself as Tao because I could just really relate with every single principle as related to Taoism. Then here comes the four dimensioners meeting and here comes, it's so cool how the synchronicity of things works because I was already receiving the transitions daily emails. Then I get plugged into the four dimensioners. I had already convinced myself that I was Taoist if, if I had to pick anything and then scrolling through the other podcasts on the website, I was like, Oh, how of our understanding. Let me just start listening to this. I had already gotten a copy of Stephen Mitchell's Tao, Tao Te Ching, and I had already read it. And so back to your question, I think what, because I am open-minded enough to receive what the Tao has to teach me, it's more of a process of subtraction instead of addition. Could it yeah. be? It just gave you more ways to describe what was already happening. Absolutely. It was the most organic. It was the most organic thing I think that has happened in my spiritual journey. Of course, everything I know is is in retrospect. I may not see all of it at the moment that it's happening, but how do I get to my true authentic self. I got to get, I got to get rid of all the stuff that's been piling on me for years and years. 
And that's the essence of the Tao for me. It's like getting down to nothing. No chaos, no drama, or as little as possible. Life's going to happen. If somebody's listening that's an AA person, they say, that's not in the big box. It is pages 84, 85, 86 is the Tao. We stop fighting anything and anyone. We're in a place of neutrality. It just comes. That is a description of the Tao. If someone asked you, Amy, what is the Tao? How would you respond? My immediate thought is truth. Because I just said to you, how do I get to my true, authentic self? I can see that. I see a picture of surrender, first three steps in the Tao, because all of the verses and the Taoist books, the Chantsa and even the Wentsa and all these things we read, they just give us another view of letting go and how to surrender are just a little different view of how to surrender from just a slightly another other angle. Letting go. I'm just going to go ahead and go right into 48, Stephen Mitchell's verse 48. In the pursuit of knowledge, every day something is added. In the practice of the Tao, every day something is dropped. Less and less do you need to force things until finally you arrive at non-action. When nothing is done, nothing is left undone. True mastery can be gained by letting things go their own way. It can't be gained by interfering. I was looking at Wu Wei the other day, effortless effort, trying mm-hmm. to get a little more understanding. I, actually, I was, I don't know, I was comparing it with something else. And I realized that effortless, another way to translate that is emptiness. So it's empty mm-hmm. is another way to say it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it's selfless effort. It's not no effort. It's effort that's empty of us. When we're helping another person, we're serving in some way that's empty effort thank you that's good another talking about the emptiness though verse 11 when we join spokes together in a wheel but it is the center hole that makes the wagon move we shake clay into a pot but it is the emptiness inside that holds whatever we want we hammer wood for a house but it is the inner space that makes it livable we work with being But non-being is what we use. Or emptiness. Emptiness. It's what we use. Yes. Actually, it says that. The McDonald translates it that way. We work with the substantial, but the emptiness is what we use. He actually translates it that way. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. It's good stuff. The other one, 54. I can tell you that since I've been on this spiritual journey what's really cool is to see how this plays out in my family practicing the principles in all my affairs what do those principles really mean my oldest daughter is married to a muslim and they are she has been studying that that tradition if you will religion whatever you want to call it And my, they have a son, my one and a half year old grandson is going to be raised with those beliefs. And so what this does, my openness to the Tao and other religions, other traditions, other philosophies, still cringe when I hear the word religion because it's organized and man-made. 
it affords me the opportunity to have discussions with her about principles. It stopped the closed-mindedness, ignorance that I had against other people's belief systems. And we can talk on a level of love and kindness instead of her forcing me to believe something I don't understand or me forcing her to try to understand something she doesn't believe or vice versa. Amy, also with that, you moving from a conversation based on fear to a conversation based on love. Yes. Go ahead. Verse 54. Yeah, no, it's okay. Verse 54. Whoever is planted in the Tao will not be rooted up. Whoever embraces the Tao will not slip away. Her name will be held in honor from generation to generation. Let the Tao be present in your life and you will become genuine. Let it be present in your family and your family will flourish. Let it be present in your country and your country will be an example to all countries in the world. Let it be present in the universe and the universe will sing. How do I know this is true? By looking inside myself. So I used to, I, I used to think when I was sitting at the bar or wherever, having drunk conversations with my friends about the great things that I was going to do one day and I was going to be this or I was going to be that. And of course, none of that ever came to be. But especially now in my profession, in my professional life, again, in my family, People look to me for guidance, not to tell them what to do, but to just listen and understand, give them the grace that they need to grow on their own. It's pretty freaking remarkable. When I practice non-being, when I practice just not interfering, not fixing, managing, and controlling everything around me. And that takes effort to do that, but then it's, But it's so much, takes so much less energy, but it's effortless effort. It's so paradoxical. It doesn't make any freaking sense, but it does. It it is much more difficult for me to enter a conversation from a place of emptiness, a place of love, where I'm willing to listen. I'm looking for a way to be helpful, especially at first. It's getting easier and easier. But it was much more work to do that because I wanted to jump in and tell them what they needed to do. And if you did what I thought you should do, your life would be better. And that was all coming from a place of fear that they would not, that they would find me out. That all those things. Find you out or not like you or not love you or not accept you. Lately that it's impossible for me to be alone. That was a mantra that I was meditating about that. And so I said, I feel alone. Then all of a sudden I said, wait a minute. It is impossible for me to be alone. I'm connected all the time, whether I realize it or not. And I thought, wow. And it just, that that loneliness just lifted. And there was no one else. Everything was the same. except I was- And isn't that a, an interesting concept? My external environment Hasn't changed. Yes, we bought a new house last year. It's great. Okay. So yes, externally, for the most part, nothing has changed. But internally, wow. The more that comes off, the more of that shit that I piled on me trying to become some deluded version of myself that didn't even exist. It's 
speechless trying. The life's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Just because you get sober and you start doing the right things doesn't mean you're not going to have difficulties in life. Since I have been sober, I have been divorced. I have had a child die. I've had things happen that are very difficult. And it is life. Life keeps happening. And I think what happens is it's not that our situations change so we can be at peace. We're changed so we can be at peace regardless of the situation. Life gets better, yes. But it's still life. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's the same. And those things happen. It's life. But we have a new way of living where we can approach these things with tools that we didn't have before. The Tao is just a great description of those things. I'm amazed that this was here 2,500 years ago. I was reading about it, Amy, and they think that this may have been even before written language and it was passed down orally. Oh, I can imagine. Then, then once language was written, then they wrote it down, but they think it could be as old. They don't know. Four or five thousand yeah. plus years old. I just have this like vision of people sitting around the campfire telling the elder with some with the staff and I, maybe that is the bearded guy. I don't know. <laughs> just teaching the little ones this. Yes, they did that. It was an audible. I've got the complete works of Lauts watching me, H-U-A, watching me. And he talks about that in the book that his father passed these things down to him orally. And it was passed down father to son, many generations. Yeah. You mentioned compassion a few minutes ago. The other, one of the other verses I had really speaks a lot to me is 67. And it goes right along with what we're saying now. Some say that my teaching is nonsense. Others call it lofty, but impractical. But to those who have looked inside themselves, this nonsense makes perfect sense. And to those who put it into practice, this loftiness has roots that go deep. I have just three things to teach. Simplicity, patience, compassion. These three are your greatest treasures. Simple in actions and in thoughts, you return to the source of being. Patient with both friends and enemies, you accord with the way things are. Compassionate toward yourself, you reconcile all beings in the world. Mm. Compassion with myself is something that I'm still trying to learn, practicing a little bit more, especially when I do behave like I used to behave. Patience is another one. Patience with myself while I'm learning to be compassionate with myself. That's the key there. (laughs) Do you find that when you're compassionate with others, that you find more compassion for yourself? Do you see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I do too. I have more grace with me when I choose to have grace, give grace to others. Yeah. How about that in accord with the way things are? That's acceptance. Not the way I want things to be. Not the way they were. Yeah. Or the way I wish they were. Or yeah. Or the way they will be. Exactly. Yeah. Are in this moment. It's just saying the same thing. Every verse says the same thing, but just from a different light. Yeah, it is good. 
anything else, Amy, you want to, there, we've had a good conversation. We've had yeah, good we time. have. I used to think that my life was by design, like there was like a providence, the biblical idea of providence. Is that how you feel about that? Or have you shifted to a, that it all just works into something good? Do I go right or left? I just make the best decision I can. It's going to be yeah. the right. Yeah. When you did that, I immediately thought of a puppeteer. That was exactly it. Yeah. And I think that's a crock of shit. Absolutely. I have a hard time believing, you know, it goes back to that man in the sky that's like orchestrating every single thing that I do. I don't think so. I think it's more of the universe takes my mess and creates a message. I always get teachable moments out of whatever's going on. I may not see them at the time. I always grow from anything that's going on in the time. I may not see it while it's happening. It's back to that water thing. Water just goes. Water just flows. Water water always runs downhill. It always follows gravity. Your life is going to work into something good. Same water analogy. Yep. I believe that Romans 8 says that in the message version. It says every detail of our lives of love toward God has worked into something good. Every detail. Oh, it's not that I make the best decision I can and it's going to work into something good regardless. Could I have made a different decision? I don't know. Maybe not. But Maybe not. It's Maybe work. it's good. Maybe it's And it's taken that control off. It's that acceptance of what is. But not have not being so caught up in the expectations of this turning into something different or did I mess up or should I do this different? All those things, yeah. which is difficult. Some of those lessons, those are all lessons to learn. I'm currently reading The Power of Now with a sponsee. My first time through this book and she's been through it. She's read it a couple of times on her own. It's another magic, magical book. She's, this wasn't it the first time I read it. Because we have experiences that we're bringing to what we're reading now, but it really reminds me of, I, it's a lot of Taoist philosophy as far as like being in the moment, being here and now, you know, that old saying, it is what it is in that book. It actually says it is as it is. And I really latched onto that because that even brings it more for me into the in this exact moment, it is as it is. We had someone in the fourth dimensioners made the statement that God is now is another three letter word yeah. for God. That was fantastic. Oh my yeah. God, that's wonderful. It is it. I experience love right now. Right now. God is now. Oh, that's good. Add, Amy, I'm so thankful that you were was able to find the time i know it had to be so i appreciate you taking your sunday afternoon i appreciate you being flexible and patient speaking of patience it was something tucked in the back of my mind and then the universe has a way of nudging me and nudging me and when i can't when i'm like okay okay let me just do it just do it it's been a good conversation Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars, 
Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.